If your happy ending is no more joint pain, please try Sierra Sil with a money-back guarantee. It's all-natural joint pain relief that's changed our lives. Sierra, like the mountains, and Sil, like silicon. Go to sierrasil.com. Use the code DRIFT for 10% off. Hi there, I'm Erin Davis, and welcome to Catch My Drift, made possible by Envy Pillow, my sleeping beauty for over 20 years. The Canadian-designed copper-infused Envy Pillow aligns your spine and neck and prevents those lines that sleeping on our face brings. EnvyPillow.com. Years ago, Carly Simon sang about the stuff that dreams are made of. But what are dreams? Do we all do it? Can we control our dreams? And how do you go about best interpreting them? Our guest is dream coach and teacher Patty Allen. Patty uses her knowledge and passion about dreams to help students of her soul coaching course to access their inner wisdom and creativity. I'm going to start with an obvious question. What are dreams? I wish I could give you a simple answer. (laughs) There are so many different opinions on what they actually are, and it divides more or less into two camps. Researchers who study the brain um, and look at the physiology of our bodies in sleep, and then we have the psycho-spiritual approaches. Uh, But experts have been arguing this one for thousands of years. In the ancient world, they thought it was a communication with the gods. And I think that's pretty cool. (laughs) It is. And we will definitely delve into that in one of our conversations here. But which do you lean towards? I mean, you've been studying dreams for how many years now, Patty? Mm, About 25. What what got you into this? (laughs) I was studying body psychotherapy, and it was related to Gestalt. And to Gestalt therapists, it doesn't matter so much what your dream actually means, but how you feel about your dream is what's important. So I worked on that, and it's certainly a valid approach, but I felt myself yearning to know more, and I read every book I could get my hands on. I'm in Toronto, and there was really no program I could take in dream studies at the time, and certainly online learning wasn't a thing 25 years ago. So I read everything. Uh, self-taught. And then in 97, I started running dream groups. And I learned by doing. And then when I finally went back to get my master's, I found a program where as long as I had two professors who knew my topic, I could write about anything I decided to. And so I wrote on the role of dreams in ancient Greece. Had two professors who knew all about it, And that's how I really got started. And now here you are, and dream groups are something that are your passion and coaching people with dreams in real life. Dreams can also be used as a rehearsal in our sleep, can't they? They are. In fact, there's a famous quote that says, dreams are the workshop of evolution. And uh, I found that to be true in my own life. If I'm anxious about something, if I need to work through a problem, my dreams are going to be giving me information that helps me do that. But even in a more practical sense, it happened to my daughter. When she was about 11, she didn't know how to ride a two-wheeler. 
and she was nervous about it. She was an anxious kid. Um, but one night she dreamt about it. She dreamt how it felt to get on the bike, to feel the wind on her face, to feel her balance working out. And she got up the next morning and she taught herself how to ride. She just got up and did it. Wow. What is the one question, Patty, that you're asked most often about dreams when people find out what you do? I'm sure it's like when you're at a cocktail party and and someone finds out that there's a doctor there. Everybody wants to say, can you take a look at this? What is the question that you get most often? The question I get is, what does it mean when? And then they will fill it in, whatever their dream is. What does it mean when you dream about a frog? What does it mean when you dream that you're adrift on the water? And I sometimes will tell them, depending on the situation, what it means most often. And that's the phrase I work in there regularly. This is what it means most often for many dreamers. And then I explain to them how the symbols in our dreams are going to be different for each of one. If you love dogs and I was bitten by a dog as a kid and we both dream about dogs, it's going to be very different in meaning. But that's the question I get. And people sometimes want quick answers. Yeah. Have you met our society? (laughs) (laughs) We've been told, Patty, that talking about our dreams is narcissistic. But there's healing and learning to be had, isn't there? There is. And I I can't believe when I hear those things, you know, it is the furthest from being narcissistic one could get. Hmm. It really is a message from your psyche and your soul. And to want to understand the language of dreams, to work it out, to see what it means, that to me is the sign of a very mature soul. You know, we keep so much bottled up inside of us, our day-to-day tensions, our problems, our feelings, and so on. If we don't pay attention to them, this builds up in our psyche and comes out as a nightmare. And if we don't pay attention to them, they keep repeating. It could become a recurring nightmare or a one-off. But basically, a nightmare wants to tell you to pay attention. And if you don't, it gets louder and more insistent. There is a very famous dream worker named Jeremy Taylor. He passed just a few years ago. And he took dreams into the prison system in Northern California. And he would run dream groups for the convicts. And they'd get these big, tough guys, murderers, every crime you could imagine. And he would get them to stand in a circle holding hands and insisted that they respect one another. No one was joking about what they dreamt about. And over time... This little dream group transformed these men. And this is the power that dreams have when we share them. It's not narcissistic at all. Mm. It's something that's transformative. Well, it certainly was for one Paul McCartney, because I'm always reminded of the story of him writing yesterday. And he woke up and he goes, well, that must have just been a song that I'd heard before. And then he sat down at the piano and used the placeholder in his mind of scrambled eggs. And it became, of course, yesterday. Mm -hmm. And you go, okay, that was one great dream. Patty, do you think we all have something in us that will long outlast us? Can can something drop out of the sky? Or do you have to be a Paul McCartney? (laughs) Fortunately, no, we don't have to be a Paul McCartney. You know, there are a lot of stories 
that I've collected over the years of other amazing dreamers who also got insights and inspiration through their dreams. And some of them that I'm going to share with you are, are all people we probably have heard of, but it happens to everyday, regular people like you and me. So one of my favorite stories is about who invented the sewing machine, the lock stitch sewing machine. I would probably say Singer. Yeah, that's exactly what most people think. However, that would be wrong. It was Elias Howe. He invented the lock stitch sewing machine, and he beat Isaac Singer to the patent. He had a dream that he was in a pot of boiling water surrounded by cannibals, each one holding a spear. And he woke up in a start, and when he remembered and visualized where was he just then and what the heck was he dreaming, he realized that in each spear tip was a hole. And he, maybe he said, Eureka, (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) I think that was Archimedes. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. But uh, you know what? He beat Singer to the patent because the issue with the sewing machine was unlike hand stitching, where the hole is in the end or the top of the needle. In the sewing machine, it's in the tip. And that was the problem that his dream gave him the answer to. But there are others. Do you remember... Um, Richard Bach, he wrote Jonathan Livingston Siegel all those years ago. Okay. He, and it became a bestseller. Um, but eight years after he had written it and shelved the first half of that book, he was stuck and he left it eight years. And then he had a dream, which not only finished the story, it picked up exactly where he had left off all those years ago. There are scientists who have won the Nobel Prize because of their work that came to them in a dream. One is Otto Lowy. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. I know I didn't until I read this. But he did an experiment on the chemical nature of the transmission of nervous impulses. This is back in 1936. And he won the Nobel Prize in medicine and physiology. Mary Shelley, you remember her? Of course, Frankenstein. That's it, exactly. It came to her as a dream, that story. And and even we see it in Hollywood with movies and directors and writers. And um, Francis Ford Coppola has mentioned using dreams. Akira Kurosawa. Yeah, samurais. Yes, yes. All credit their dreams. And what does Steven Spielberg call his company? DreamWorks. There you have it. So it can happen to the little people, but we have to pay attention. <laughs> Well, with that image of a little boy fishing off of a crescent moon, we'll say sweet dreams for now, Patty. And I know you're going to join us again. Yes, I'd love to. Thank you. Join us for part two with dream and soul coach teacher Patty Allen, who answers the question, does everyone dream? You'll you'll hear a lot of people say, oh, I never dream. And really, correctly, they should be saying, I never remember my dreams. Plus, dreaming of lottery numbers and a tip to help children alter their nightmares. Learn more about how to interpret and where to openly discuss your dreams through creative dream coaching at pattyallen.com. That's P-A-T-T-I-A-L-L-E-N.com. And thanks for joining us for Catch My Drift. Sweet dreams, and don't forget to join me tonight for a sleep story on Drift. I'm Erin Davis.